Hello and welcome everybody to According to Andrew number 117, Non-Reserve and Fractional Banking all rolled into one system. So this is kind of a theory that I've been kind of pinging around in my head and uh, I wanted to kind of get it out there, get people's opinions on it as I think uh, it helps explain some some aspects and it's, it's kind of taking bits and pieces from uh, Steve Keen and uh, Richard Warner, uh, Jeff Snyder and George Gammon. And kind of putting them all together, and uh, I think it fits. Uh, this is kind of a, a theory slash um, hypothesis at this point. point. Um, and I, I was trying to model it up in Keen's uh, Minsky program, uh, but I was kind of having trouble uh, figuring it out. And I just wanted to get this out there, uh, and I was going to model it up later. So, what do I mean by non-reserve uh, fra and fractional reserve? reserve banking all rolled into one. So I see there being a major problem in our current uh, system. Jeff Snyder talks about this all the time, that there's not enough collateral. And the question comes, the the question asking is like, why? Why is there not enough collateral? What about the system makes it so there isn't enough collateral? And I think I've figured it out. And it also explains why uh, no matter how much money that the government pumped into the banking sector, it couldn't fix the problem of uh, not enough collateral and stuff like that and, and just not enough money in our overall system because the way the system's functioning. Basically what's happening is things that should remain in the banking sector are sold to the private sector and this is causing uh, problems because it's not actually increasing the money supply. So what I mean by that is there's kind of two ways of doing this. So let's pull this up real quick and I will share my screen so here's kind of the way uh, things work some person wants a loan for XYZ business the bank creates the loan and then what happens in our system is that the bank then sells that loan to a third party uh, mortgage-backed securities are a perfect example of this somebody wants a house they go to the bank they buy a house then the bank takes that loan combines with a whole bunch of other loans sells this on to uh, various other uh, non-bank entities. This creates a problem because what when the person takes out the loan in the banking sector, it creates money, right? So you have the principal that the person asked for creates the money basically out of thin air. And then when that loan gets paid back, that move, money is removed from the system. But the thing is, uh, the interest is not though. The interest is basically what goes and pays the banker, and then so that will recirculate back into the system. The problem happens, uh, like let's say that they got a 30-year loan, right? Well, okay, it's going to take 30 years for that principal to be paid all, all the way down, especially since they amortize the loan. We're not going to get into that, but basically you pay all the interest up front, uh, so the actual money supply doesn't start shrinking until you start paying off that principal, and it's paid in small chunks over time. Well, what happens when the bank sells this loan off to a third party is it takes that principal amount right out of the system immediately. And so when they create the loan, they create new money, and then that money is taken from a person that isn't in the system, and it's paid to them, and that money's removed from the system. So there's a net zero amount of money increase in the system. Now, this isn't necessarily a bad thing in certain times, because, uh, you know, kind of the whole point of capitalism is supposed to be efficient allocation of capital. And so if they're buying this loan, in a sense, it's a that third party that had capital that wasn't 
basically the bank is acting as an intermediary in this exchange where they're uh, finding people that have capital that they want to invest and they're finding people that have a uh, idea that they want or some amount of money that they need and they're pairing those people up and then they get a, a cut uh, in the middle for that that service and that's a fine service to have but it can't be the only thing and how the entire system works which is what it uh which is basically how it works now and i think uh people talk about like at glass steagall and it you know investment banking and stuff being and commercial banking being allowed to run rampant and taking out all these risks and stuff like that i think what actually caused this issue is this the, the true distinction is investment banks are supposed to be uh basically middlemen who are connecting people who need money with people who have money and being a middleman for that investment vehicle. And then if the person goes bust, that person that loaned the capital loses out on money and stuff like that. And that goes towards productive enterprises. That's absolutely fine. But when money needs to be created, that's done in the commercial banking sector where uh, somebody has a loan for an idea of a thing or they need a house payment uh, or something like that. And then they, they print the money into existence. I actually don't think people should be printing money for uh, banking things. So maybe mortgage-backed securities are the proper way to be doing this. So the advantage of doing it in this in the, the middleman system is it will increase the velocity of money, right? If money's sitting on the sideline, it's technically not being allocated properly. And that's resources that could be used to uh, invest in new things, grow, uh, be spent on capital equipment, and grow the overall wealth of the economy. Uh, Generally, in America uh, and most modern economies, this is taken to an extreme to where uh, there's no savings for a rainy day. And that's when the recessions that we're about to go through and things like that uh, take a massive hit uh, because there is no cushion uh, in terms of savings and capital built up uh, because it's it's all shoved into trying to just make the system more and more productive. And eventually, when that doesn't work out, everyone goes bust. Um, but the, this is a really important uh, key thing because it creates, it, it goes to show how the banking system, uh, why there's inflation or deflation in uh, certain things. So what I mean by that is when a person takes out a loan from a bank, they create money, right? Let's say that person goes bust. The bank, uh, let, let's say it's a mortgage, right? So the bank will get the house and they'll have to cut down the, the supply of the thing. But the thing is, it, let's say that the bank is making enough money on its other uh, forms of revenue that if all of their loans went bust, they would still be able to operate as a bank. If that's the case, then them taking a haircut on the overall loan, like, isn't really a big deal, right? They invented $300,000 into existence for them to be able to buy the house, and then for them to just cut out $300,000 from their bank uh, balance sheet, it's not a big deal because that money was invented out of nowhere, basically, to create the loan in the first place. You compare that to when they sell it onto a third party, and now that $300,000 actually is a realized loss on their uh, balance sheet because they had to spend uh, $300,000 to get that loan in the first place. That was actual cost associated with them, and the idea was that they're going to get paid back like $400,000 over the life of the, the loan. And so that's where if you have a if you have a lots of defaults and they're all tied within the banking sector, the banking sector could basically write it off. It's not a big deal. Um, there'll be some redistribution of uh, various capital and stuff like that. There will be a bit of a recession in terms of, uh, because 
uh, basically all the capital that gets sucked into the banking sector needs to be reallocated in efficient manners. And so there's going to be uh, economic slowdown in terms of that. That's mainly a, a result of money velocity dropping, but the actual amount of money in the system won't be affected. It will be a net neutral operation because when you write that off, it's basically like uh, the money that was going to be sucked out of the system is printed into existence to pay off that other side of the bank balance sheet. And then the money that was already spent in the economy remains in the economy. And so it doesn't actually cause debt deflation, which is a spiraling uh, problem. It, debt deflation will kind of somewhat still be realized in the system because it's going to be, it's going to cause a severe drop in the money, or not the money supply, the money velocity as people start hoarding their wealth more as uh, because uncertainty is going to make it so, okay, can I make those payments and stuff like that? Um, and the more cushion people have to be able to cash flow things when things drop, the less of a problem this will be. The problem is right now we're at such a point that if people aren't getting that next payment, like they're, they're running things where it's like they have to hit all their cash flows at max capacity or they go bust. And that's how a lot of people are running things nowadays. And it's just, it's technically the most efficient use of capital, but it is the also the most fragile use of capital. <clears throat> and that's not something that generally the economy is focused on or, or uh, geared towards. Now you compare this to the other one, because that money was sucked out of the system when, when that person goes bust, it effectively creates deflation in the system because now that person isn't getting paid and all that stuff. Now, it shouldn't actually... like. The actual money supply doesn't change, but the the basically when some when a bank is selling a loan to a third party or a bond that is gonna uh, this person's loan becomes this person's uh, this person's liability is this person's asset. Uh, when this person goes bust again, the velocity just drops off a, a cliff. The actual amount of money in the system shouldn't change because it was already reduced when this person paid the bank for the bond or the loan. Um, yeah. Oh, but it does cause it because of what I was talking about, what this whole thing is um, sort of. So there's reserveless and there's fractional reserve in our system. So how does that work? So banking is reserveless or uh, not uh, non-reserve banking. So basically, because this person has a promise to pay the bank, the bank can create the money out of thin air. And that's the privilege that's given to the bank by the government. Uh, because as the economy grows, you need the money supply to grow. Uh, there is questions on whether or not growing it through debt is the best way. And um, there's issues with it. But from all of the studying I've done, it is the best proxy I have found thus far. If someone has a better idea, I am more than willing to hear you out. Uh, so leave that in the comments if you can. The other system basically does this where they, they get the, they sell this loan on it. Now, it'd be one thing if they just kept the loan, but they don't do that. What they do is they rehypothecate it. So basically what that does is if people are familiar with a, a HELOC, which is a home equity line of credit, that would be like taking your house and being like, okay, I have so much equity in this house, let's say uh, half a million, so 500000 I'm going to take... Uh, hundred thousand uh, dollar loan against the value of my house and then you're gonna take that and you're gonna buy treasuries and treasuries are a um, pristine collateral so then you take those treasuries 
and you take a loan against those treasuries to go buy something else. And then you take a loan against that stuff to go buy something else. And you're never using all of the, uh, so like, let's, you bought $100,000 worth of treasuries, and then you're going to take 10000 of that, and you're going to take a loan against the 10,000 treasuries, and you're going to go buy something else. And then you're going to take a loan of $1,000 off of that and buy something else, and then 100 and da, 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 and eventually it asymptotically reaches a certain max limit or whatever. That's basically the... F- <sighs> That basically creates a fractional reserve system, and that, uh, when that breaks, causes a massive amount of deflation because uh, everyone basically has a, sa- a claim on this underlying. Cl- there's like five or six claims for the same collateral by the same amount of people, and obviously not everybody can be paid that amount. And so when a default happens, it because there's a huge chain of people with tons of counterparty risks. This is basically what happened in 2008. Uh, this huge chain of people with tons of counterparty and stuff like risk all throughout this entire system, that whole chain basically breaks down if one person in the chain basically can't pay their loan. And then there's a clamor to try to get all this money back from everybody, and it causes the entire system to collapse. That, that is what causes this massive... That's what's going to cause this massive deflationary uh bubble debt deflation spiral that's going to kick off and there's not unless you are basically going to invent money to make all of those various bondholders that have rehypothecated things like a thousand times whole there's no real way like the 2008 bailouts times a thousand like it's it would be trillions of dollars it would maybe even be like quadrillion or more amounts of money needed to bail out this entire system um, and then, I've, like, as we've seen with 2008, like, they bailed out the system and didn't do anything to fix the system. Uh, because this whole way of doing banking still underlies everything. So, yeah, so that's kind of what's coming. And what what I see is, is how this whole uh, system kind of works together and, and, um, and clicks together. It's got a lot of issues, and it... Um, it needs kind of fixing the way the best way I see as fixing it is create that separation between commercial and uh, investment banks again, but then change their mandate because the mandate when I read it didn't seem to clarify this. Basically, uh, you you should have a uh, a banking sector where whose job is to create money, and you should have a banking sector. Uh, I guess it wouldn't even almost necessarily be a banking sector, but basically another. Uh, sector of banking in which their job isn't to create money, but it's to uh, link people who need capital with people who want capital um, and be the intermediary there. And there's a lot of different forms that that takes in our society today. Um, But the banking needs to get back to its core of creating money when it's needed. There needs to be certain limits placed on it so that it doesn't just create money willy-nilly. And that that money goes towards productive purposes. That's why I'm not a. I don't think uh, mortgages should really exist, or at least not. Uh, people shouldn't be creating money to get a mortgage, right? The uh, person wants a loan, bank wants a loan, creates money. This should not be used for uh, loans because uh, the creation of mortgage loans, because that's what one of the reasons that we've seen these asset prices being driven up is because people are taking out loans to buy those assets. So they're basically printing money to buy the asset, which then drives the price up. It's Some of it has to do with actual value, but a lot of it has to do with this factor. Houses are a number one reason, or uh, houses are a big example of this. Um, cars are another good example, right? 
because loans didn't used to be so prevalent for cars, uh, cars used to be much more affordable. Now they've gotten to crazy levels of expensive. A lot of times, uh, on a large part because of the amount of auto loan that you can get for a car nowadays. And that's still considered a depreciating asset and they've been inflating like crazy. It hasn't gotten to the point where, well, I guess in 2020, but that was, that was mainly a surprise shock as to why uh, what was normally seen as a depreciating asset all of a sudden uh, appreciated massively. Um, I think that covers everything I wanted to on this topic. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the theory basically because banks are selling uh, loans to third parties, they're no longer doing their function of creating money. This has been offset so far with uh, money velocity, but we're kind of run into the uh, money velocity and making up for the lack of money creation through rehypothecation of collateral because we've basically run out of collateral to rehypothecate and we've hit that upper bound, uh, but we still need more money in the system, but banks won't create the money. There's nothing we can kind of do. And we're about to see a freeze up of the, the financial markets. I believe this is what happened in 2008 with the great, great financial crisis is again, there was this lockup of the financial system because there wasn't enough collateral because we had to switch this system because banks were doing their job of creating money. <clears throat> so if we get banks back to their job of creating money, then we won't have to, the private sector or basically the market won't have to create this, uh, crazy system of rehypothecating money to create the amount of money needed to actually circulate throughout the economy to run the various uh, financial systems and uh, uh, wealth generation type stuff. A lot of it is some kind of Ponzi games and stuff like that, but also a good at, there are aspects of it that are necessary to make the system function. So it's kind of a gray area and I'm still figuring out uh, exactly where I land on on uh, some of these things like rehypothecation and stuff like that. Uh, but that is kind of the summary of it. Um, thank you guys all for listening. This ended up being, I, I ended up being able to can kind of condense that down better than I was hoping. So hopefully that was clear for you guys. If you guys have any questions, uh, leave them in the comments. Uh, we're on BitChute, we're on uh, Gab TV. we are on... Uh, YouTube, and I'm also on uh, where all podcasts are available, uh, your Apple, Podbean, uh, Google Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. So uh, listen to me wherever you, you uh, like best, and uh, thank you all for listening. Have a good day.